Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers Podcast, live from the Boogie Down Bronx. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, our co-host today, Dave Anderson, and our producer, William Jeffrey. And today we're here to discuss how to know before your system crashes. Oh my God. Is it crashing right now? I don't know. (laughs) If you have systems that you need to manage, you should check if they're crashing right now. But (laughs) we should definitely look into that. Yeah, we'll talk about systems that you can have in place to know before crashes happen and how to mitigate crashes from happening in the first place. I mean, I'm sure we all don't like to be woken up in the middle of the night because things are constantly going down. But these uh, applications will help you in mitigating some of that, some of those calls that happen at two, three, four in the morning. Yeah, I guess like to a degree, like you, you write your system and you understand it as much as you can, but it's still a black box once you put it out into production. Like you can see what the outputs are, you know, into or the, you can see what the result is in the database or like if you're creating a file or something like that. But as far as like what is coming in and what's happening inside of it, like that's up to you to better instrument it. And we talked about that a little bit in our last episode about logging. Mm-hmm. You can go a little deeper than that. Yeah, I mean, there are like different ways that your system can quote unquote crash, right? I mean, so there's straight up hard down, the whole website is just not returning anything mm-hmm. or returning 500s or... Which yeah, maybe, you might say it, is like, that's like availability, right? Like you're just down for the count. Or things might just take kind of forever. And that seems like that's also down, right? If the web page just hangs indefinitely until you you're, until you give up and close the browser or you hit some kind of a browser-level timeout, like that might not show up as an availability issue because your system is up. It's just not responding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that sounds like bad for conversion. If you're like running a, <laughs> a commercial client or you know a consumer-facing website. Yeah, that checkout button takes way too long. That's going to be really concerning to your customers. Right. <laughs> or you might be up for some percentage of your users, but it just can't handle the throughput. And so above a certain threshold, everybody is just getting dropped. Or maybe something is getting returned, but it's wrong. Right. You know, your yield is wrong. I think those are the main categories of reliability. Things that could go wrong that make your system unreliable. Right. And you want you want to be alerted of these or like you want to be able to capture those problems that arise on your application in a way where you can collect the data and study it and kind of know what to do, what's the next move or the next piece of, you know, functionality that needs to be in place in order for these things to work, to be available, to have uh, to handle the throughput and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that you can have some dashboards that you can check in on to see how things are going and, and probably so that you can make some some budgets, you know, targets, decide how much latency you're willing to tolerate or, or how much availability or lack of availability you're willing to put up with. Mm. Right. Yeah. I guess that's, that's important, like in anything, like understanding the true importance of the system in the nature of things and like how critical is an error. Like how quickly do you need to know and be able to respond to it in order for like to have like a good balance for, you know, your work life and also the profitability of your business and whatnot. 
because it could be that the system is just used internally and you know it is gets a lot of requests like once a week but they're all done in batch and you know it fails you just run it again and it's not really a huge problem uh, if there's an issue versus something that's like real time needs to have like immediate resolution and uh, if you don't fix it, then it's going to be a big headache for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And you might you might have customers that have hard requirements. Like you could be contractually obligated to somebody, you know, with a service level agreement or SLA that says, you know, you have to respond to our API requests within 500 milliseconds or you owe us money right. or we don't have to pay yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it could be like financial or reputational problems if you don't meet those expectations. So it's it's good to like hash out exactly what those things are. Yeah, and if you are in a situation like that, you probably want some service level objectives or SLOs that are much more conservative than your SLAs just to make sure that you don't get close to violating those agreements or or if you're getting close that you know ahead of time. Mm. Right, so like a SLA could be, as you mentioned, you know, you have a finance application, things need to respond and with the longest latency of 500 milliseconds, would the uh, the service level objective be to have those response be alerted above 350 milliseconds? Is that like the idea of like the yeah. SLO in this context? Yeah, and then your service level indicator or SLI would just be, you know, how long are requests taking? Mm, I see. Like, let's just log the total request time and then you can... Graph that, you can do averages, you know, you can do some statistical analysis in order to figure out, you know, what your SLO and SLO, like what you're actually, what you're actually tracking to hit. Right. If you're going to violate your SLO or SLA. Right. So the SLI and the example would be just to track every single transaction that happens. And if you find that the average is 170 then you know that that's definitely below the SLO of 350 and the SLA agreement of 500 milliseconds. And then you yeah. know, like, oh, how do we bring it down? Like, if we could bring that number down faster, then you can work on that. But, like, it's still, you know, much, it's still, like, less than half, more than half the amount of time spent, like, to get those requests. I think that's fine. But that's up to the organization, right? They want to be faster then the average, then they would have to figure that out and put development to work behind making it faster. Yeah, and I think you would probably want more than just averages. You probably want to know, okay, what's my 50th percentile? What's my 95th percentile? What's my 99th percentile for latency or, or whatever metric you're tracking? Like, if your average, like your 50th percentile response time is 150 milliseconds, but, you know, your 70th percentile response rate is two seconds, then Ooh. it could be that actually you have a lot of violations of your SLO, your SLO or your SLA. Right. So mm. you, you probably have a threshold beyond which you, you don't really care. Like if 1% of or one tenth of 1% of your transactions are, are extremely slow, then, you know, it's probably not cause for concern. That could just be right. problems with internet infrastructure in general. Although there could be like some specific issue that's impacting a certain user or client that you have. It could be that the way that their data is in the system, like due to volume or the kind of data that they have, that their performance is just really bad. And 
that could be especially bad if you know when you look at that who that person is you realize that they're your most important customer and the reason why they're having problems is because of you know they just have too much data they use their system too much so again kind of going back to what we're talking about in previous episode about like having context for your logs and you know driving that towards these different metrics uh, for monitoring to know like what might be the contributing factor if it is just like kind of internet related or if it is more internal something that's more controllable so your application is on fire and the monitors are all going off this happens during the day let's let's make the situation at least nicer it's not at four <laughs> in the morning it's at 10 o'clock you have your monitors triggering all these different situations that are ha- that could be happening whether it's throughput availability latency do you stop all your engineers to put out the fire like let's talk have you seen that in in like your previous employments where like everyone had to stop what they're doing to fix things or is there like a dedicated team do they have batmen's or batwomen's uh in in this situation uh what are your thoughts on that i think that if you have a monitoring system in place that's probably going to be a much more pleasant scenario for you logging as well so that you can search and figure out what is going on you can check some dashboards and see the severity i think in terms of who deals with the issue, you, you probably don't want your entire team debugging <laughs> that because yeah. you're just going to, it's too many cooks situation. You're just going to step right. on each other. Like you especially probably want like, a primary and a secondary. Especially if you're like communicating asynchronously through Slack or something like that. It can get really messy when you have all those communications kind of crisscrossing. Yeah, I think it's good to have a secondary who's sort of in charge of comms and have like a an incident response plan so people know how to communicate and what to communicate and to to whom they need to communicate. Like, are we going to notify customers? Or after how long do we wake up the CTO? <laughs> yeah, that's important. <laughs> Hopefully never, but yeah, that happens. Otherwise, the CTO is sleeping in the afternoon in this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> what, a, what a sweet life he has. Maybe we should wake yeah. him up. <laughs> There's also a question of how much error is too much error, right? Like, I mean, if if you, a certain amount of your requests are going to be failing all the time. And then at what point do you, do you need to respond? Mm, And that, that's not just like for an individual response, right? That's over a longer period of time. I mean, so if one out of a hundred thousand of the requests to the website fail, I don't care. If all of the responses are failing, then I immediately care, right? But then what about over the period of one month, right? Hmm. Like if 1% of all responses are failing for a full month, that's a lot. Yeah. It might not be a lot for one hour, but for a whole month, that's a lot of people who are affected. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not really like, it's not an abnormality. That is just the the normal operation of your system is that it kind of stinks <laughs> or it has some like kind of flaws that need to be ironed out. Yeah. Again, I guess like going back to what we were talking about before, like figuring out what, what the standards are and sticking to them, making sure that you're like uh, understanding what the requirements are for your system and putting the tools in place to make sure that you actually are meeting those goals. Which I mean, I'm I'm kind of curious. Maybe we could go back to the categories of reliability and talk about like some tools that you could use in order to 
ensure that you can meet those goals. Yeah. I mean, I think for availability, something I see a lot is the number of nines. You know, how, how many nines of uptime do you have? Is it 99% uptime, like two nines? Is it 99.999% mm-hmm. uptime, like five nines? Which mm-hmm. seems to be kind of the gold standard, although maybe an unattainable one. Right. What, five nines? Yeah, five nines of availability. All right, I found a website which actually helps calculate what your uptime would be in your downtime. Uh, so with uptime.is, if your uptime is five nines, then that means daily you're down for less than a second, 0.9 seconds. Whoa. And uh, over the course of a month, it's less than 30 seconds. It's 26.3 seconds. And yearly, you only have five minutes and 15 seconds of downtime. Yeah, that's not enough time to even Google a problem. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it actually took us longer to Google or figure out what that calculation of the uptime was. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, and you think about Google needs to be up like in those five nines, you have, you know, if whenever GitHub is down, it because it causes like this huge issue. Right. And I imagine they have all sorts of monitoring like tools to, to capture that information and help them figure out what the problem is. Well, I think it also depends on like... If you're down for an hour, then you've already lost one of those nines. Like you're, yeah. you're in four nines territory. And if you're down for half a day, then you're in like, you know, three, three nines territory. Yeah, I think it also depends on how large of a percentage of your user base you care about, right? I mean, like Google is down for someone pretty often, right? I don't think <laughs> Google is down for everyone ever. Yeah. But like if Google is down for just one guy or like, you know, even one region, I think it's kind of hard to know. Is it really yeah. because of Google or is it because of some other piece of infrastructure? Right. You know, a lot of people are going to write that off as like, well, Google's never down. So it must just be my browser or my Wi-Fi <laughs> or my ISP. You right. blame everything else. Damn you, Comcast. <laughs> Comcast at it again. <laughs> so like, what, what are some tools that you use to measure availability? Datadog. <laughs> pretty, Datadog. Pretty solid. Yeah, you can set up some metrics there. I think we were talking about uh, Pingdom. Pingdom's good. Yeah, that was very specialized for availability. Yeah, like that's <laughs> basically the main the main thing that it does. Just basically poking your site and seeing if it's up and how it's responding. Right, health mm-hmm. checks. Yeah. Has anybody worked in an environment where there were hard requirements on meeting SLOs and like where those requirements were enforced? You know, like where somebody actually set up a proper error budget and said, you know, if you exceed your availability SLO, then you have to stop development work and everybody focuses on increasing availability until we're back in compliance with our own service level objective. So I think I was on the opposite side of that. We used a tool where the SLA agreement was the availability needed to be five nines. I mean, yeah, the like the five nine principle. So we used this application where the application itself needed to be up in the five nights, essentially. And so like the organization I was working ensured that 
the third party application, they had the agreement set up for that. Mm. So like if there were any de- developmental work, it wasn't because our thing is down. It's because like, there was a problem for us to get the information from them. And then they would have to you know, ensure that the SLOs were, were met, essentially. Oh, we just I had see. the agreement so on everybody else. And then if they yeah, exactly. failed to meet the SLA, then you would, you would identify that and then probably go hit them up for money. Yeah, essentially. Well, not me personally, but like that was the idea. Yeah. Like, yo, 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 five <laughs> nines, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think. Smart and, five and, zeros and, after yeah. on, on that check that you're going to write me. Exactly. I think that, uh, I mean, but in regards to that, we also wanted to ensure that the service that we were providing was up at 5.9. So if there was any issue, there was like, I think we mentioned before, like a primary and a secondary person that would go and, you know, sift through metrics and monitors to ensure that we get back up to speed as soon as possible. But I, I never sat down in like a meeting where we were told what the agreements were. Mm. It's just like, hey guys, keep it up all the time. Like, no, no downtime ever, kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's that's a really rampant problem in industry where people don't have goals for how much availability or, or how much latency or, or, or you know how mm. how much unreliability in general they're willing to tolerate. And so, right. anytime things are unreliable at all, people sort of freak out and then yell at the engineers and like, why did this happen? But there's yeah. no plan for evolution. Also, if anyone's known's identified like that is important, then it's it's pretty likely that you're not going to be measuring it. You're not going to be looking at the latency or availability. You or you may not be looking at it if it hasn't been something that's been like, yes, this is something that we need. And maybe it's a safe bet that you probably do need it, but better to have that conversation explicitly. Mm. Has anyone else ever worked in an SLA, SLO, SLI? I've worked on it, like not in like the high throughput kind of sense, but where there's a hard, hard stop for reporting requirements or things like that, where it's like not a lot of requests, but like what requests are there? If even one of them fails, then you need to drop everything and figure out how to resolve that. So, mm. you know, that's like kind of the complete opposite end of the spectrum where it's like, it's not like five nines. There's there's no nines. It's like just a one and three or two zeros, basically. One hundred percent. I've worked in places with SLOs and SLAs, and I've seen them ex- exceed those and freak out about it. But I I don't think I've ever seen an organization have the guts to actually stop development work until they were back in compliance. I think everybody wants the best of both worlds. They right. want the reliability and they also want you know, const- to be constantly shipping features that make the system less stable. Mm. And so when you get out of compliance, management has a tendency to get mad without being willing to do, make the sacrifice that I think like the DevOps world would probably recommend for mm. avoiding those kinds of incidents in the future. Right. Patting down the hatches and all that. Yeah. Nobody's ever willing to stop feature work. You got to keep putting the features out. <laughs> Just keep on, keep on pushing them out. Right. But then you don't know, like when, if this next feature is going to be the one that, you know, really breaks the back of the performance of the application or, or whatnot, unless you're explicitly putting time into measuring the, like measuring latency with something like, like we talked about Datadog and Statsday or Prometheus on 
if you don't spend the time to actually collect that data and measure it against what the expected value should be, then you'll you'll just be caught off guard when someone breaks down your door and starts you know, screaming. Mm-hmm. So are there any good tools for monitoring like scheduled jobs that are like periodic you are aware of? I've worked with Dead Man Snitch. You know, I think like, you know, with jobs, the challenge there is that you can't really do uh, keep like a, a status check because, you know, the issue is that the job doesn't run in the future. Not that it isn't running now. Like most of the time, the job's not supposed to be running. Right. So with Dead Man Snitch, it will, I mean, you, you, you set up an extra job and it'll hit Dead Man Snitch regularly, like on a cron. And then if it ever doesn't check in, then Dead Man Snitch will notify you. It's sort of like, you know, like a, a Dead Man switch for like a bomb, you know, where if you mm-hmm. take your thumb off of the button and the bomb explodes. Right. I was afraid when I was searching for Dead Man Snitch that I was going to be put on a list or something. But it's just like an actual service that does that gets more out of your cron jobs. That's what that's what it says on the front page. <laughs> it says on the tin. Yeah. And I think, yeah. Uh, so there's definitely a ton of different tools uh, to use to monitor the types of production issues that you'll see on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, we've only really scratched the service here. Like, there's other tools that are, like, more robust, out-of-the-box metrics, like New Relic, tools for error reporting, like Sentry and Rollbar. There's all kinds of things you can compose together. Or, you know, you can also consider maintaining your own system or building your own system or from right. the log messages that you've been implementing. And do you want to use a SaaS application where somebody else is keeping, is, like, keeping the monitoring tool up or do you want to maintain your own monitoring server and then be responsible in case your monitoring goes down right like who do you who do you want to be responsible for the five nines of your own monitoring solution who monitors the monitoring tool (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) follow us now on twitter at radio free rabbit so we can keep the conversation going like what you hear give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole and never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.